Good morning. Welcome to you who are here and welcome to those online with us as well. This is week two of a series we're calling Mirage. And if you missed last week, just really simply, I gave you a really scientific definition of a, a mirage, but real basic, it is a visual illusion without substance or reality. That's a mirage. And in my mind, when I think of a mirage, I think of the person who is crawling through the desert on his hands and knees, and he sees off in the distance water on the surface, and he needs a drink because he's dying of thirst in the desert. And so he keeps crawling and crawling and crawling, and he never actually reaches it. But what what gives that mirage power is that it is based on reality. Right? It, it might not have substance or reality to it, but it is based on something that we know. That intellectually we, we comprehend it. It's water. And we need water and we're thirsty and we've got to have it. But all of us, all of us from time to time, find ourselves chasing mirages. We find ourselves chasing after things that are fleeting. Things that are not real. Or even if they are real, don't produce what they promise. Or what they, we, we hope they will produce. And so if a mirage is based off of reality, that reality that we're centering ourselves around is this word euangelion, it's gospel or good news. That we as followers of Jesus believe that there is life in Christ and we are to live a life pursuing Him and His goodness and His kingdom. That, that is our number one priority and goal. That is what we are striving for. But if we're honest, and if you're like I am, I, I'll just be honest for myself, it is so easy to be distracted. It is so easy to start chasing after things and for our minds to get fixed on them and moving in different directions. And so we're going to talk about several different mirages over the course of this series. In my, my world, I think this one is probably the most powerful, or maybe the most um, alluring. Right? And it's wealth and power. Because in our mind, that's the way we fix the problems. That's the way we take care of ourselves. That's the way we take care of everything. That's the way we change maybe not the world, but at least our world. And Jesus experiences, I think, this temptation. It begins in Matthew 4 this way. Jesus was led by the Spirit, right? led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Thank you, Matthew. We weren't aware of that. He, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then one more time, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. So there there are these temptations where Jesus is led out into the wilderness and He's hungry and there is Satan tempting Him. And for me, it's one of those things where it's really difficult to relate to this. But maybe not. There was a, a few weeks back I had gone late at night on a Sunday night to buy groceries at our neighborhood Walmart. And I had a cart full and I was scanning all my groceries. You, you might ask, well, oh, you're a cashier at Walmart. Sometimes, yes. Because, you know, they have 14 lanes and they have none of them open. So scan yourself. Um, So I'm scanning all my groceries, and I had bought this counter cleaner, and I hung it on the side of my basket because it's a little spray bottle. And I get done checking all my stuff out and get out to my car, and I realize that cleaner is still hanging on the side of my cart. And I started to have these thoughts. You know, with inflation... And the way things cost now, I paid way more than enough to cover the cost of that cleaner. And it's late, and it's cold, and it's misty, and I'm going to have to trek all the way back into the parking lot, and I'm going to tell them, hey, I forgot to pay for this. Can I pay for it real quick? And they're probably going to look at me really strange because who in the world would do that? So why don't I just stick it in my bag and pretend like nothing happened and go on with my day? And I really thought about it. And I had this voice that was going in my head just saying, hey, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. So I went back in and paid. I went back in and paid. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But no, no, there, there were so many little voices in my head during that time. And it wasn't about the money. It was like four or five bucks. It wasn't about the money. It was about how inconvenient it was in that voice. It just took over. And and I'm guessing 
that you have those voices in your life too. You, you have those voices that continually try to pull you in different directions. And most of the time when we read the story of Jesus in the wilderness, we think, well, he's God, it doesn't matter, he can do anything. But, but the beauty of what Jesus did was he came to earth not as God. Yes, he was God, but he, um, in Philippians it says he didn't consider equality with him something to be grasped, so he made himself a servant. He set that aside so that he would have to endure and go through everything that we would. And I think it's so easy to over-spiritualize Matthew 4, but I think it's something that happens to us every single day. As things try to fight for our attention. My oldest child starts, gets her license tomorrow. And the plan here at some point is for her to take my car and for me to get a newer truck. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty excited about that. So excited that a few weeks ago we were driving down the road and I was like, ooh, I like that Tundra. And Cammie says, Stop. You've got to stop. I'm tired of hearing about every truck we pass. <laughs> but there are things at times that start to grab our attention. They start to fight for our heart. And Jesus enters into this. He enters into this world that is habitually rebelling against the reign and the rule of God. And I think it's so easy to put ourselves, to place ourselves right beside Jesus. Because this story centers around a really, really important question. What does it mean? What does it mean to be God's son in this world? Because that's a really important question for Jesus to answer for us. But it's a question that every single one of us, as a follower of Jesus, as a child of God, must answer for ourselves. What does it look like to endure all this world has and still keep our minds and our hearts centered and focused on Jesus? And and I think this, this third temptation might be the most powerful of all of them. Right? He, he says he takes him up to this very high mountain and he shows him all the kingdoms of this world and their splendor. And he says, all of this can be yours if you will bow down and worship me. You can have it all. Just pursue it. Just come follow it. Just come take it. It's yours. All you have to do is bow down. And I, I say it's the most powerful because I think it's the grandest illusion. See, see this, this thing that you can have for Jesus, all of the kingdoms of the world, th- this offer has a pretty great reward to it. Because that offer allows you to skip over the cross 
to just become king. It's a quick fix and a way to avoid the cross and get a crown. But the problem is it's a crown that does not last. See, the the gospel story we talked about last week, its power isn't just in simply that Jesus came, as, as Paul said in Corinthians, not just that He came and that He died and that He was buried and that He rose again and He appeared to all these people, but the power of it was that He stood toe-to-toe with death and gained victory over the last and greatest enemy that every one of us will face. And He stood victorious over it. That, that is the power of the Gospel. And it's something that only can happen if Jesus, when tempted, would say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take your offer. I'm going to pursue the easier path, the more comfortable path. Because it doesn't include a cross. But I get the crown. But in the end, Jesus would still face death. Regardless of if it included the cross or not. He would still stand toe to toe with death. But it was the fact that He had endured everything this world could throw at Him. And did so without sinning. It was that he walked through this world and stood toe-to-toe with death, and death did not win. But I think Satan uses this powerful, powerful paradigm. But the problem is it's a deadly paradigm. And it's a paradigm that all of us are tempted to believe at times. If I had more money... If I had more power, if I had a better position, if I had more social standing, if I had better clothes, if I had better food, if I had a better house, if I had a better car, then, then I would be happy. Then I would be content. Then I would be complete. Then I would not want more stuff. Then my marriage would be stable. Then my kids would be safe. It's this powerful if-them-then paradigm. And my guess is, you can fill in the blanks pretty easily for you. Because there are a lot of things we start to pursue. And in our heart... Oh man, if, if we had this, if I had this new truck, then I would feel better about myself. If I had more money, then I would never have to worry about money. If I had a bigger house, 
then I would never worry about my perception. See, here's the truth of it. Knowing it's a mirage does not strip the temptation of its power. Knowing it's a mirage. Knowing that it's never going to do what it promises. Does not strip the temptation of its power. Because if you're in the desert and you're crawling on your hands and knees and you think you see water off in the distance, you're going to chase it as hard as you possibly can to get there. Out of hopes of the hope that it's the real thing. Out of the simple hope that it can. And at the, the, the power of that illusion comes from this like foundational lie. This lie that I can save myself. Right, right. That's that's below the surface. Like there's all the if then, if then, if then game we play, but below the surface is this lie that I'm capable of saving myself. I'm capable. And and these lies, these temptations are so alluring. Right? That's, that's the subtitle of this whole series, Resisting the Allure of Illusion. Because it is so alluring. It is such a seductive lie. If you had this, if everything was right, then you would be okay. Then you would be content. Then you would be complete. And the problem is you end up running this race that is endless. That doesn't allow you to catch your breath. But the reality of it is eventually you run into this certainty that there are some things in this world that regardless of my position, of my power, of my pocketbook, there are some things that I have absolutely zero control over. That I can do nothing about. There's a story in, one of, in, in Matthew's Gospel of a centurion who has a sick servant. And he comes running to Jesus so that Jesus will rescue and save his servant. And it says this, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Because Jesus is just asking, you want me to come to your house and step in and save him? He says, I don't deserve you to, have, to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself, and he he starts talking about what he has, I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one to go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes, and I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. What, What strikes me about that story 
is the realization I think the centurion came to. Like, I have power, and I have position, and I have wealth, and I have people under me that I can tell to go do this, but I can't do anything about my servant. I've finally come or encountered something that my pocketbook can't fix. I finally encountered and found something that I can't command someone to make right. My guess is you found yourself in that place too. Maybe it's when you get the diagnosis. Maybe it's when you had to say goodbye. Maybe you realized there was no possibility that it was going to work out. That your marriage couldn't be healed. That there are some things, regardless of what we have, regardless of our position or our standing, we can't control. But the illusion, the illusion is that we can. The illusion is that we can, we can get there. Maybe with another promotion. Maybe with another raise. Maybe with a little bit more power. A little bit better return on our investment. Then... Then everything, then it will be good. And it's an illusion that we chase and we chase and we chase. I wonder if the idea of wealth and power might be the biggest illusion that all of us chase after. I don't care how much is in your bank account. I think all of us, from time to time, are tempted. I think from time to time, all of us have this idea that we're pursuing and we're following Jesus, and then there are these voices. You don't really need to die to yourself to find life. Serve yourself. You don't need to be that committed to following Jesus. Enjoy life. Eat, drink, and be merry. Because just like Jesus avoided the cross or could have avoided the cross with that one offer, we can too. And you do it and you're going to get a crown. But the problem is that crown 
does not last. It doesn't last. I just wonder, what are the illusions? What are the lies? What is that paradigm that you've bought into? And have you crawled and crawled enough chasing after it only to get there and find that it still leaves you wanting more? That you realize that it was always an illusion. Right? Because no matter what you do, where you go, where you get to, we always want more. I think that's the only word that we know. More. 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 Because if you had more, then everything would be okay. But what if after chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing, you finally came to the realization that what I've been longing for, what I've been hoping for this whole time is the answer to that question, how can I save myself? And you come to the realization that you can't. That the only way to do that is to put your hope and your trust in the one who stood toe-to-toe with death and conquered it. Because you finally realize there are some things, some things I don't have the power to change. Father, today we thank you so much that Jesus stood toe-to-toe with death. Father, that he is victorious, that he stands as the conquering king. And Father, that is the good news, that we don't have to live a life striving after stuff. And Father, as alluring, as enticing, as seductive as it is, Father, may we realize and see it as the illusion it is. That it is without substance or reality. But Father, our minds get so fixated so easily on stuff that doesn't fill us up. Stuff that doesn't fix our brokenness. But Father, today, May we once again surrender our hearts, our minds, our thoughts to Jesus who went before us, who endured the pain of the cross, who stood toe-to-toe with death and won the victory. Father, we thank you so much for your blessing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If we could help you at all this morning, we're going to have our shepherds and their spouses in the back. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if you've been just chasing endless mirage after mirage after mirage, we would love to help you.
Um, they're going to be there. They would love to pray for you. If you've never given your life to Christ and been baptized in Him, you could do that as well. But whatever we could do, you can go while we stand and sing.